Brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi everyone, thanks so much for being here. It is McLean, the host of the Mother the Mother podcast. As always, it is such an honor to be reaching you through your ears via the interweb. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. We truly are co-creating the space together. I'm going to just jump on in. Today's episode is a departure of sorts. Uh, With this new year, with the new energy, springtime, moving into summer, and my own rebirth, my own metamorphosis, I am really interested in delving into other topics within the realms of womanhood and motherhood as we continue to walk this path, as we continue to change, expand, go through many phases, right, of our lives. And today's guest, Jessica Esfandieri. Sorry, Jessica, if I am uh, butchering your last name pronunciation. She is the host of the Open Late podcast, and her vibe is that of non-monogamy. So this episode is really intended to either support those of you that do not live in the realm of monogamous relationships And it's also to teach those of us that this is like a completely unheard of thing to teach us what that can look like. Because I know for myself, a woman in her 40s, whenever I've heard about couple swaps or polyamory, et cetera, it's usually from like the 70s, 80s, and it never ended well. It ended up with couples breaking up. So there's a whole new world that people are really delving into in the polyamory world. And there are tons of words, there are tons of, you know, different pockets, different philosophies. It's a whole world that I really don't know a lot about. This is kind of like dipping my toe in because um, I knew of Jessica. She reached out to me. We're in the same podcast uh, family, Soulfire Productions. And um, Kelly, who's a dear friend, she and her husband share, and they, they have on their podcast, OK Babe, their journey with opening up their relationship and their marriage. And so it's something that's very foreign to me personally, but I'm, I'm intrigued by it because I'm always curious in learning how people live and how people um, live full lives and positive lives. And, you know, I'm always down to learn uh, what is making people happy and happy these days, you know, and how, um, we all are transitioning in our marriages and our relationships. So anyway, I don't know who of you, this is going to be a totally foreign thing, or maybe some of you listening your way down this lifestyle, but I just wanted to offer a new perspective and learn more quite frankly, just like learn how other people are living, right? Like we're always experimenting 
and showing up in new ways. And what really kind of piqued my interest in wanting to talk to Jessica was, yes, her journey, how she got to where she is, and then also diving into what it's going to be like as she becomes a mom and if the lifestyle will really change and um, what that's going to look like. And of course, she doesn't totally know right now, but it was fun to talk about and and hear her journey of pregnancy or not. And she's going to be walking the path of surrogacy. That is something I haven't yet spoken about on this podcast. So again, it's always learning new perspectives, learning new avenues, and celebrating each other. So I hope you enjoy this listen. As always, I'm here for you. Please reach out if you have any feedback, thoughts, anything you want to share. And if these episodes do resonate with you, please share them with your loved ones. Please share them with on social, subscribe, review, and rate the show. It truly makes a difference on my end and being able to keep the podcast coming to you. So thank you all for being here. I love you. I see you. I hear you. May we all continue to heal and thrive and rise up together. Jema. With the rebirth of my own metamorphosis, the rebirth of the new year, springtime, moving into summer, I wanted to update everyone on the way that I'm working with people, with my clients. I am focusing now more on healing, healing the inner world and the outer world of our own womanhood and motherhood journeys. As we walk this path, we all need different things at different times. So one client that is trying to conceive is on a much different part of her path as a newly postpartum mom. And if you are interested in working one-on-one together, please reach out for a discovery call where we can see where you are, where you're wanting to go, and how I can be of support. I have so much knowledge within the birth world, within the postpartum world. I'm a certified nutritionist, yoga teacher, meditation teacher, hypnosis facilitator, Reiki practitioner. So I really like to use all tools to help you move through the inner and outer aspects of your healing. I now am also doing frequency work, which is like a fast-tracked tool to help you really gain a level of change in the quantum field. It's pretty astounding. So I'm now adding that into my work, which I'm so excited about. So the ways that we can work together is one-on-one healing sessions, even as a one-off or within a container. And we would discuss based on each person. And then I'm offering, continuing to offer my mom club, which is an incredible membership for women on the motherhood path, whether you're wanting to conceive, walking through your pregnancy or newly postpartum, or have a toddler or a kid in grade school or even high school, you are welcome here. We ask questions, we share where we are, we share where we're going, and I offer my healing via that as well. It's a beautiful monthly membership. I also offer Sovereign Society, which is a sacred circle for sisters that are passionate about body autonomy and freedoms within us, how we are walking our path for ourselves and for our children. This is open to all women. You do not have to be a mom. You do not have to be a mother. This is for women that have gone through this past couple of years, this portal of time, feeling isolated, alone, judged, and this is a safe space to be and heal. And this is also a membership. So they're also 
supportive goodies and healing within the monthly membership. So please reach out. You can find all this information and more in the link tree in my bio on Instagram. And as always, I'm here for you. We are learning together. We are growing together. We are healing together and we are thriving together. Sending so much love out to all of you. Jayma. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, you're welcome. Me. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to be in your space. I, this is the first time that I'm doing someone else's show in my studio. Oh, so it. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. This is breaking the seal. Yeah, I love it's it. It's a beautiful studio. So we're going to pull a card. Okay. If you want to do it. Mm-hmm. This is the Earth Warriors Oracle, which is my all-time go-to. Mm. Just whatever wants to come forward for our talk today, for the highest good of all listening, as well as ourselves. Hmm. Wow, I've never pulled this card. I have friends who have this deck. What um, is it? Vera Kocha. Ooh. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like a warrior. It's a, it's a bit of a long read, but I love these. Vera Kocha, honor the light. You are a light bearer. Your sole purpose is to redress the presence of darkness on this planet through shining the light. You are meant to do this in the ways that feel most uplifting to you. What brings brightness to your spirit? Do those things. How can you create a loving legacy to remind others of the light? Exploring and expressing the light in ways that remind others to seek the light too is a way to fulfill your divine destiny. Your light is powerful. Use it. People around you, perhaps even you, can sometimes get caught up in the troubles of the world and forget to focus on the light and their own creative power. Gently but persistently remind yourself and others to ask for divine help. This can be done according to each individual's belief system. Prayers will be answered. Focus on the light at specific moments during each day. Place sacred objects in your line of vision so you can see them and remember the light often. You are a light worker, light bearer, one who is divinely designed to receive and transmit light for the benefit of humankind and Mother Earth. You have more influence in situations to bring about divine conclusions than you may realize. Don't be afraid to use your light in all ways possible. The great creator deity in the pre-Inca tradition from the Andes region is Viracocha, or Viracoca, who is said to have risen from Lake Titicaca during the time of darkness to bring forth light. He made the sun, moon, and the stars. In his wisdom teachings, this reminds us of the importance of creating numerous ways to experience and remember the light and to reflect it back to ourselves and the world. Creating things in our minds and our world to reflect the divine light is vital. These could be simple altars, sacred spaces, beautiful sacred objects, or if if could be the act of burning incense, playing beautiful music, doing a daily practice of meditation and oracle readings, praying, conscious dance, or art. Choose whatever it is that helps you honor the light and reinforces it as an authentic presence within your being. Through regular practice, a radiance will be ignited and its flames fanned within. Our soul becomes a lighthouse to help others find their way. Amplifying the inner light is a way to tap into your creative consciousness. Then what you generate in this world through your thoughts and actions is what you actually want to share. That which increases hope, goodwill, happiness, and peace in this world. It is said that Viracocha made humans by breathing onto stones, but his first creation efforts were not pleasing to him, so he destroyed them with a flood and began anew for a better result. The symbolism of this speaks of allowing our creative ideas to evolve. We do not need to be scared to let things fall away, to wash clean, and start afresh with our creative intentions. We can do this daily through prayer and other ways to honor and strengthen the inner light of spirit. For someone like you, 
with a strong mind and the ability to broadcast thoughts and feelings more clearly than many around you, with the position and purpose of spiritual influence at a soul level, it is essential that you bring your mind and way of being back to the light many times each day. If you get into a dark mood, it doesn't only affect you. It may well bring down many others. Even if you are alone, hiding from the world under a bundle of blankets, your darkness doesn't go unnoticed, unfelt. The more you grow spiritually, the more your own states of being will have an impact in this world. This doesn't mean that you need to fear your own darkness. Rather, when it arises within you, your job is to recognize it and work through it without delay. You minimize the amount of time and grip that you give it in your own soul, and you practice authentically bringing yourself back to the light. There is no magic in this. It is an ability born of practice. The discipline to practice comes from a desire to be in the light. You can choose to be in the light for whatever reason. It could be simply that it feels good or that it connects you to great spirit and you like that feeling. And maybe that being happier makes you more attractive and magnetic to what you want to experience or you want to brighten up someone's day and not darken their mood with your own. You may want to show gratitude to the divine, not discontent and so forth. The point is that you figure out your best motivations to be in the light and you practice putting yourself there again and again. The healing practice for this is saying aloud, I ask for divine blessing that my creations may be expressions of the spiritual light bringing assistance to this world. I give thanks for the gift of my creativity and of my ability to feel and know the light. May this light dwell fully alive within me, inspiring my creativity so that I'm a source of loving radiance for those in need in this world. May joy always be at home in my heart through my own free will. So be it. Hmm. Wow. I feel like so much of this reading resonates with exactly where I am right now. Mm. I have been continuously trying to focus my energy at small points throughout the day. Um, and it, it spoke to that exactly of like constantly bringing myself back to this mm. point of focus. It's a practice. It's not magic. It's yeah. literally just a way that we can exercise the muscle of focus, of bringing things into the light. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I've shifted a lot of my life recently into like, what are my daily practices? And that's something I've taught for years. I've had like a good hold on, but realizing that it's so much more than like a morning ritual. It's like, how am I right before I eat a meal? And how am I when I pass people in the hallway and realizing that my energy impacts everything around me. Mm -hmm. And so to be staying in touch with like, what is my energy and does it need clearing in this moment? Do I need a moment? Do I need a, two minutes of breath work? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, at small points throughout the day, every day, so that every day is more of a, a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I feel like I almost get that throughout the day because I see angel numbers constantly. Mm -hmm. And that's also like, oh, yeah, that's my beat to like come back. Yeah. Yeah. That was really powerful. And I, I love that idea of letting everything burn away and change creatively because I feel like that's something it's like we can get so attached to our work and the way we do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely going through that right now of just it's not all for naught by letting go of what was and what used to work. Yeah. How has that process been, if I can ask you? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, I've been 
and I've shared a little bit of this. I don't even know fully how to put words to it, but in my Vedic chart, I've been in a two-year rebirth. It just happened mm. to coincide with this pandemic situation. Yeah. So um, it's been very interesting. And it's really interesting also doing it with a husband and two children mm. because I can't, you know, on the times when maybe – if I was single, I would just be like, okay, I'm going on two weeks retreat and really doing this journey and not talking to anyone. Like, I don't have that luxury. I don't mm -hmm. have that space and time. So it's um, been really interesting. And it's almost felt like in some ways I've had to compartmentalize a lot of it. And um, I'm, a, I'm a very introverted uh, person by nature, but staying high vibe with two kids during this time, like that's my priority you yeah. know, in my dharma. And my kids, thank God, have never been happier, healthier through this time. We mm. found so many alternative ways of living and being and schooling, which is such a blessing. But um, I love that. Yeah, it's been really interesting mm. because I do feel like I'm different. And I also feel like women, especially when you hit your 40s, there's something that really changes. And I always heard that, you know, it's like that kind of cliche. But it is a very animalistic shedding of a skin. Mm. And then each time you have a baby, you become a different person too. I mean, our, our DNA literally changes. Yeah. So it's being reflected in my work. And the doula work was already changing. And then COVID hit. And it was like, the, you know, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> so I kept, the universe kept having me be like, it's time. It's time. Because I'd be like, oh, I'll just come back for this one client. You know, I just – because I also love it when I'm, like, in mm. it. And I know it's just such important work. Yeah. But I also knew I was so ready to go into the coaching and the courses and all of that. Um, but I guess I was scared. I didn't feel worthy. I don't know exactly what it was, but COVID definitely propelled me into it. Yeah. I resonate with what you're saying so much mm. to the T. I <laughs> – was shifting out of, and not really out of, but just transitioning from mm -hmm. seeing one-on-one -on -one clients in a space of like um, having a studio and seeing people for Reiki and sound healing in like a 90-minute session. And that was sort of my offering. Um, and I did a lot of other things, but that was what people really came to see me for. And I got to a point where it was making me really burnt out. Like I, I was feeling really burnt out yeah. because I was expending my energy this way and I think I didn't realize like where I was moving and what was much bigger and hosting retreats and working with larger groups. Um, and so I started doing both. And so I was juggling all of these things and to really let go of the one-on-one -on -one clients, even the coaching clients who, who are virtual. And it's like, I felt guilty. It's like, oh, well, it's not that much of my energy. Like how can I, you know, not just make this one hour a week or these two hours a week for these couple of clients and feeling like, you know, you're going to let people down and um, not really knowing what the next thing looks like and having to like let go and really sever the tie of like, I'm not taking another <laughs> person yes. when I have yeah. like the best, you know, the best clients who will like message and say like, can you make an exception? Like I haven't oh. found anybody else. And you're just like, oh, okay, I'll just do it one more time. Exactly. Totally. Um, but there's so much growth in letting those things like die off and like shedding that skin or that identity that that I felt like was me um mm. and I'm sure you feel the same way totally. and moving into the unknown and once you do that I feel like what's on the other side takes shape so fast yeah. it's so quickly it's like oh okay you're really serious well let me show you yeah what's here and it's that leap of faith mm -hmm. of I'm just letting I'm letting it go and 
I think as women too, or at least I'll speak for myself, just disappointing people. And like, I'd kind of spent 10 years, you know, growing my brand and my business and being known for the doula work. Like you were saying, you're known for what you're known for Mm -hmm. and then shape-shifting it. But it's also really exciting. Yeah. And, you know, it continues. It's it's, see what it looks like. It's really fun to to reinvent Mm -hmm. ourselves. And I think like thinking back to my parents or even like grandparents' generation, like a lot of people did one thing forever, you know, and that was like what they did. And I think we've really been, I'm 37, I just turned 37 and it's, it is a bit of a luxury, but it's also, I think how humans are sort of meant to be Uh like to be able to do something new, do something different. Um, and continually reinvent ourselves because we're going to live a really long time. Know, <laughs> like we're going to live to be like a hundred and they project like 120, 130 people our age, wow. you know, who like take care of themselves. I've been shooting and, for 105, but that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, all of the new technology, like yeah. the, the, the health tech that's out. So anyway, I guess my point is like, I can't imagine doing the same thing for mm-hmm. 60 Mm -mm. years right or I can't even imagine doing the same thing for 20 yeah so So. well we're both in the same expansion Mm -hmm. and rebirth and rebirth is so exciting and I do feel like collectively globally we are in this rebirth too and then spiritual rebirth I mean there's so many levels to what's going on right now oh yeah I'd like to introduce you to a brand that I'm working with called Bamboobies which is your one-stop shop for postpartum boobs They've got awesome nursing bras made out of eco-friendly bamboo rayon, that really soft bralette material. It has a little clip down so you can easily nurse out in public without having to pull your entire shirt up. I love these. They come in lots of cute colors. They also have these great washable, reusable nursing pads, which come in different absorbency levels, which I think is so smart. So depending on where you are in your day, Knowing your milk flow, you might need different absorbency levels, and those are great because you can reuse them. They're not those throwaway ones that also don't feel good on your boobs. They have a great nipple balm, which is totally organic, meaning you don't have to wipe it off to feed baby. It's made of extra virgin olive oil, beeswax, shea butter, marshmallow root, and calendula flower. It's really light. I've been using it on my hands. I really like it. It feels good. This is just great to have. Nipple balm is a must for nursing mamas. Must, must, must. Have a couple throw them around different places in your house, have one in the diaper bag, have one in your purse, keep one in your car. Never enough nipple balm. Then they also have a great all-purpose balm you can use on your skin, your hands, your boobs, your body, baby balm, um, also great ingredients. And then they have a couple of really cool drink options. They have a lactation support, which they come these cute little packets, really easy to keep in your purse, which can be added to nut milk, milk, water, smoothies, And it has a lot of fenugreek in it, which is one of the main galactagogues that we use to up milk production. So highly recommend that. And then they also have a morning sickness relief drink, which I really wish I'd had this with my first pregnancy when I was morning sick all day long, every day for seven months. This is ginger lemon, and you just add it right into water, and it looks so yummy. It tastes so good, so easy to use. So um, I highly recommend checking these products out if you are an expectant mama or looking for any postpartum gifts for women in your life that you love. Check these out. I have a code for you. It's capital M-T-M, which stands for Mother the Mother, capital M-T-M, which gets you 25% off site-wide. So if you're looking to add your postpartum toolkit, check Bamboobies out. So... 
we could talk about like 50 different things. So mm-hmm. I guess let's just dig in to giving people a little taste of mm-hmm. your life, your yeah. lifestyle. I listened to your two parts with your husband and yeah. color girlfriend. Um, it's so funny. We joke that she's our ex-girlfriend <laughs> and we call each other partner. partner. So she nice. is like a life partner to me. Oh, um, yeah, I don't see that ever changing. Um, but it feels more partner resonates more with us because Mm -hmm. we work together. Um, and she is a life partner and I think our partnership is so much stronger than probably our romance at this point. Mm -hmm. So girlfriend doesn't really feel like it fits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I can share a little bit about how this happens. This was not intentional, (laughs) uh, or maybe it was, you know, maybe my higher self is always steering the ship, but my husband and I, um, we met about 10 years ago, this month actually. And we were sort of casual for the first year. Um, I just got out of a pretty serious relationship um, that wasn't super healthy and I wanted some time. And he was also not really in a place to date uh, seriously, but we had feelings for each other very quickly. And so we had this interesting year of like not being together, but pretty much being together. And then when we decided to be together, it was like, a a steam train like he moved in he was like I want to marry you I want to have a family and it was all very quick so but the quintessential like you know we're moving on this relationship escalator sort of thing and we knew what we wanted we knew we wanted to be together and like build a life together so I'm like okay great and I had all of these sort of unexplored desires that I after this relationship previous to him it was very um, sort of emotionally repressed, sexually repressed. Um, there were a lot of things that just sort of really fell to the back burner because my partner had a lot of issues. We were in therapy. There was a lot of sort of depression around it. So I I shared it with Pasha in the light of like, I wanted to spend some time being single. And we didn't have much of a conversation on it, but he's like, I want you to always share with me like any desires that you ever have. I want to build a relationship of complete trust and honesty and authenticity. He's like, and frankly, I don't really think it's that crazy that you would still have desires for other people mm-hmm. um, just because you committed to somebody else. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We didn't have that full conversation, but I had planted some seeds that I had been attracted to women and never really did anything about it. I didn't have the confidence in myself sexually. I didn't really even have the, I hadn't worked on myself yet in the areas of like sexual shame. So it was like a little kind of thing I threw out and that we talked about a couple of times, like while we were in the bedroom, Mm -hmm. because I was like, it's really hot and I've never really shared it with anybody. So lo and behold, like six months into, I think us living together, we had a threesome that was pretty accidental. It was with a a girlfriend of mine at the time. And she and I had always sort of had chemistry, but like I said, never acted on it. I'd known her for three years at that point. And it was New Year's. It was like a big party. We were all at this big party and she came home with us. And it was very clear that like she and I had been having (laughs) these thoughts about each other, but never didn't, never spoke about it. There was never even like a like little touch or anything until this night and everything just like burst into flames and Pasha was there to sort of witness and be a part of it. 
And it was an incredible, beautiful night with like no awkwardness, with no, um, you know, weird things that happened. And the next morning we unpacked all of that. He and I, she had left. And I can remember it so vividly. The conversation was like, what are people going to think? No one can ever know. What does this mean? I had all of these fears and all of this like uncertainty and all of this sort of projection. Mm-hmm. And Pasha was super calm and he was like, it doesn't really have to mean anything. Mm. It can be like an experience. Did you like it? Like he started asking me questions and like kind That's of doing so some somatic like work with me. Yeah. What we make it, right? Right. Yeah. It was such a perspective shift. And I was sort of like, well, I really liked it, you know, and but I, I don't want anybody to find out. And he was like, okay, well, let, you know, we're getting a bit of ahead of ourselves. That's mm-hmm. something we can certainly <laughs> keep private if you want, but you should really focus on like that you enjoyed it. And he really helped me correct like almost my naming my physiological responses um, of like excitement or pleasure, how I would like shift them into anxiety. And I was sort of thinking about this heart racing, sweaty palms thing as like an anxious um, feeling. And he was like, well, what does it feel like when you're aroused or what does it feel like when you're X, Y, and Z? And he was such a good coach already at the time. He was already coaching um, for about a year. So he really helped me navigate and realize that I had a lot of shame and I wanted to sort of put everything in a box Um, and he was like, if you want to explore this, this is something you should explore or could explore on your own. I'm really open to it. If you want to be with women, like, and you've never done it, and this is something you've been harboring, then maybe you do this. And I was like, okay, cool. Maybe we do this together. So we started to dip our toes into different experiences. It wasn't like, um, great, we're open. You Mm -hmm. know, we didn't have an open relationship for a long time. We were monogamish. I would have experiences with women. Um, We would have threesomes. We had an experience with a couple at Burning Man like the next year. And that was really eye-opening because up until then, it was sort of one-offs. But we met this couple that were also very open. And I was like, oh, my God, this is interesting. This is possible for people to like live this way. Um, But it was not a focal point of our relationship and it's never actually been it's always just been this so evolving like beautiful thing that we committed to doing if it added value to our relationship um you know there's a lot of different styles of non-monogamy out there but ours is that we have a primary partnership you know we're committed to building a life together and so people have come and gone and uh we've had beautiful like one-offs. We've had amazing connections with people that have lasted and spanned years. Um, And it's all just sort of very fluid at this Mm. point because we're eight years in. So we've worked on the guilt and the shame and the jealousy and the hard times have certainly come up. Um, You know, we've been through our fair share of like, you know, is this going to, you know, is this person going to take uh, your focus away from me or your energy, or I feel like you're growing in this direction. And like, I don't, that really scares me. I don't know this version of you. Mm -hmm. Um, but it always comes back around to us realizing that expansion feels really uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but trusting in each other and knowing that like we're committed to one another and we have that foundation, we have a foundation of monogamy, even though it was like a pretty short period of time, um, has been really sacred 
and has, I think, helped us create like such a beautiful life that has a strong foundation, but has so much play mm. and exploration. Um, and I always like to share with people who are listening, if this is like your first time hearing about non-monogamy, um, non-monogamy, threesomes, polyamory, that whole, I think, realm tends tends to be really kind of fetishized and like mm -hmm. over-sexualized. And while we've done really awesome, fun things and we've gone to like sex parties and, you know, we've had like incredible sexy experiences, if anything, this part of our lives is like a little sprinkle of like beautiful, like magic fairy dust over there. And we're pretty normal, you know, for the most part, like we'll go months without seeing anyone new, um, even like a year, I think at one point. And we've closed our relationship when we really wanted to focus on um, just ourselves or if things didn't feel like 100% between the two of us for other reasons, like not related to being open. Um, yeah. And so I like that our relationship sort of comes and goes in seasons and that's really um, cool. chapters. Yeah. I like, I think that's such an important yeah. piece. I loved hearing you on your, on your episodes, the two part of that it's always changing and it means something different for everyone because I do think there's so many labels. I mean, I put out to my community to ask me questions and I think most of my communities, like this is so foreign to them. Yeah. And Kelly, hi Kelly. Um, she really opened my eyes because I just had not even in a judgmental way, but the only way I'd ever heard about it was like parents in the seventies and it just blew up their marriages. Right. You know, it's like you're bored. You try this. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Divorce, you know? But I think that's so cool is that it's ever evolving and it means something different to every single person. Yeah. I, I, rules. I love to, to use the like analogy of a prefix menu and a seasonal menu. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people live in a prefix menu type of relationship, uh, type of, you know, container. And I like mine to be seasonal. It really works for us. And it comes with a ton of communication and like checking in. Um, because like you said, everyone's experience is different. Like mm -hmm. Pasha and I could have the same experience, you know, together and have a completely different takeaway right. from that. And so, yeah, it's, it's been in some ways, like such a small part of our lives until I started a podcast about it. Right. Um, but in many ways, like the most beautiful part, because being polyamorous has actually made me a better friend, mm -hmm. a better um, you know, partner, a better coach, mentor, um, maybe sister, daughter, I hope. Um, because I, I like don't really have walls around getting my needs met anymore. Whereas I did for a long time trying to get my needs met from like one person, uh, because I thought that's what you did. That's what I was right. taught growing up. And I had, um, three, long-term monogamous relationships before I met my husband, my high school boyfriend, my college boyfriend, and the guy right after college, you know? And being in this type of relationship has really like taken the barriers off of like who, who and where I can get certain things mm -hmm. in my life, mm -hmm. right? Like whether it's emotionally, you know, um, sexually, romantically, intellectually, it's such a reminder that like he does not have to be my everything yeah. and I don't have to be his. And 
it actually makes us so much more connected because then we come to each other for these very specific, beautiful things. I mean, we still share so much and he is like, it's funny, he is my everything, but he's not the one. It's like, there's, right. you it's know, all of it. it's all of it. Um, but it's been beautiful to see other relationships in my life really flourish um, and be very deeply connected because I'm not stressing about like, oh, well, what if, what if they think I'm flirting with them? Or what if, you know, um, they come on to me or, you know, they have a girlfriend or they have a boyfriend or, um, a lot of that is like, has been stripped away, which was really scary at first, actually. Cause I was like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to know I'm open. They're all going to think I'm hitting on them. You know, I had yeah. like that conversation yeah. as well. Um, but now being so kind of deep into it and having practiced this for so many years, it's been such an expansive way to live. Mm. Yeah. So my mind is just swimming with logistics. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, I guess, first of all, it's like my free time is so limited. Mm. Like it's astounding how little free time I have. So to me, and I think most other moms listening, it's like, how would I even fit another person to love into the situation or yeah. to communicate with? Like, because mm -hmm. any free time, I just want to be like alone, not add to it. So it is interesting. Like, is it, do you feel, well, first of all, you're going to see what it's like when you do have kids yeah. and what that feels like, because you're, you will be giving so much. And I want to get into, I want to segue into that. Um, but before that is, I guess for people listening, it's like, when I hear you and you were in the relationship, you know, maybe a year or six months or something, and then you opened it up, it seems like, okay, if this is the foundation and we're open to it, like that seems like an easy way to do it. Mm -hmm. But like, what if you're like 15 years into marriage, 20 years into marriage, and then like, how does one navigate that? Do you see that? Like, is this like kind of a group that you generally move in now as far as like, who knows, who doesn't know? Like, what's that going to be like with children on the playground? Yeah. Like, there's just so many logistics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not that you can answer all of them, <laughs> but I guess that's just okay, where so I am first, like, with my brain. Um, no, I love it because these questions are questions that I get a lot of from the listeners of Open Late. And so to your to your first point, I think like when we did open up, um, it didn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. It was like a once every couple of months thing for us. And well, when we were together, actually. But the interesting thing was when we first moved to Los Angeles, my husband had a crazy work schedule. He was like building two businesses at the same time. And um, our schedules were very opposite. And so I was home alone at night a lot, which was interesting because I worked in restaurants and nightclubs mm. until I moved to LA oh, wow. <laughs> and then it shifted and I worked daytime and he was working nighttime. So it was like, when wow. do we see each other? Um, and a lot of my solo exploration was born out of that, mm. was born out of, I was new in LA. I had a friend group, but um, I had a lot of free time and Pasha was tired all the time. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I really want to encourage you to like, go out and like date if you want to, which was really challenging for me. Actually, I resisted it. I was like, if you think that our relationship is going to be open, like I don't, I don't want that, you know, um, looking back, I'm like, okay, girl, <laughs> just relax. <laughs> um, but I did. And I, I met someone that I started seeing pretty regularly, you know, maybe like once or twice a month regularly, sometimes more than that, but sometimes less. Um, that I had a ton in common with because he like worked in film and TV and I worked in film and TV. And so 
we shared that. We shared like a love of like great movies and and it developed and it blossomed and it was really scary because I'm like, I have feelings for this person. And um, sharing that with Pasha was like the first time we really like hit that sort of flooring where it was like, oh, mm-hmm. there, this is more than just a fun, sexy experience. Um, but that, you know, over time, like fizzled out the newness of it. And I started to build my community in my life in LA and I had less time for it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Posh and I would maybe vacation, we would, there's a bunch of apps for dating mm-hmm. for people who are open. We would maybe like check out a new city and like see if there was somebody to meet up with there and then not do it again for like a while mm-hmm. just because like life, you know, we were both building businesses and new in this city. Um, and so the experiences were kind of few and far in between, and we didn't really carry on relationships with anyone else for a long time. I mean, I did with this one other guy, um, which I had the space for. Um, but then we would sort of go in seasons where like he'd be working on a really big project and we didn't see each other for a couple months at a time and vice versa. So I think for somebody who's like, where am I going to fit this in? You know, we didn't have kids and that's how it looked for a while. Um, and it's much harder to date together because a, the idea that you're going to actually have chemistry with the same person is really wild. And so when, when people find it, um, the term unicorn gets sort of a lot of flack and it's taboo, but it really is like finding like a diamond in the rough. Of course what I was thinking. Yeah, Yeah. Because, um, it's crazy to think that three people are all going to have chemistry, which is why it doesn't work as often as people sort of dating on their own, Mm -hmm. on their own schedules. Um, and then over the years, we each have had our own sort of other relationships that were a bit smaller, but very connected. And there was emotion there. So I do see um, it being challenging to hold space for, you know, having love for other people. Where do you prioritize them? Where do they fit into your life? Um, you know, we've we've navigated it a couple of times. I would say I've I've experienced it with like three other people and Pasha twice. Um, And it's always like you find a way because there's newness energy. So imagine, um, you know, the first time like for people listening, if you have a partner right now that's like your person and you're in love, imagine like meeting them and going on a couple of dates with them. You you make anything work. You're like, I'll cancel these plans. I'll move this. I'll move that. So there's this like limerence factor of this like new relationship energy. That's what people call it. So I always think too, if the universe wants to sort of support this experience, things will clear, things will move, things will happen. Um, And I'm only really speaking now to people who are open to having emotional connections with other people, which is really hard not to. But there are some people who do this just to have like amazing sexual experiences and want to let themselves like flow into that realm, Mm -hmm. which is great too. Um, But it does take more time and space in your life to have more of a relationship with a third or a fourth. I mean, there are people who are completely polyamorous that have so many and There's a lot of like cool content creators online that talk about like, it's not easy. It's like really challenging. And sometimes you might have a connection with someone that you even have to say no to because time is a limited resource, right? And so to to bring it to a space where I'm thinking about having kids 
And we're not thinking about, we're starting to plan for it. We're looking for a surrogate. Um, The idea of spending a lot of time with somebody else who's not already like a family member, which would be like Pasha, the child, and like Lauren is really crazy. So Lauren's my, um, you know, pretty full-time partner. And the plan is for her to, of course, like be in our child's life. There's not going to be any weirdness around that. It's like, my my best friend Nicole like lives in our house too and so we're very much like community people and so it would be the same with her I see as like any other really close girlfriend or sister like she's going to be an aunt you know um and hopefully a very big part of their lives but the idea of like taking time away and I don't even have a child yet but I imagine like from a newborn or at least a a child that's in their first like couple of years of life feels like it probably won't happen um, for either of us. You know, this is something we really want and we're not new to non-monogamy. So it's not like, oh my God, there's this like fun thing happening. It's like, we've we've been doing this for a while. So I think for us, things will really slow down and I can see, you know, this is like my plan, which the universe is probably like, oh, good for you, funny. (laughs) Um, I can imagine that like if we went on a vacation or Mm -hmm. something, maybe we would plan to have, an experience, maybe not with anybody else either, just like ourselves, because we probably won't have any time to like have sex with each other. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But maybe there's something like that or partners. We've both had partners um, that are still in our lives that we're not like really active with, but are great friends. Mm -hmm. So maybe they come back into our lives because there's already an established relationship and it's easier. Um, I mean, these are the things I've thought about, yeah, but well, who really see. knows, you know, and I, I imagine for, for people who have kids to just start opening up, it is a bit more challenging because your, your resource of time is so limited. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds daunting unless you have, you know, or in a more like set up privileged situation, like some childcare and space. I mean, we're all right. like craving that anyway, most of us. Yeah. So even with our partners we currently have, so mm-hmm. it's just like such a my brain like trying to wrap my head around how I would even fit that in yeah not that we're planning on that but I'm just saying like um it's just a very different mindset I want to introduce you all to a new healing frequency device that I'm using called the Healy that is h-e-a-l-y it is a little device it's the size of a credit card and it has the potential to heal in ways that I did not even know were possible. If any of you have ever been to a sound bath and received sound healing, you know that it is based on frequency. Life, the way we connect to the world, we are energies, right? All of us. And with energy comes frequency. So the Healy offers hundreds of programs of frequency, depending on what you're working on within your own body, within your own mind, within your own heart. And depending on which device that you buy, the professional, for instance, you're able to scan other people. You're able to analyze what each person, body, soul, mind needs, and then fill in the correct program for that need. So for any of you that want to use this professionally, you can use it on clients. You can distance heal. You can use it on your pets. You can use it on your children, your family members. Um, I've been using it daily, at least once, sometimes more than once. And quite literally, it has changed my life. Things are opening and elevating in ways that I am 
completely astounded by each and every day. It is working in the quantum. It is stepping outside of our linear 3D box and expanding, opening up to a whole other portal. So if you're interested, I would love to chat with you about it. Since it is frequency, it is not just shared via emails or text. It really needs to be shared energetically. So please DM me. I'm happy to chat about it and share all that I know. I am learning. It's a whole new world, but quite literally in one use, I felt different. I felt that I was able to crack parts of myself that I was so ready to release. I stepped into a new timeline. So if you're wanting a new level of healing, if you're ready to expand, if you're ready to level up in a whole new way, please check out the Healy. It's fascinating. I do think too, it's like our, our relationship with our bodies and they become sacred in a different way when you grow a baby and mm-hmm. then like bring it out of your vagina. It's like, it's so other things coming in are intrusive. Like I can't even use tampons after mm-hmm. having babies. It's yeah. very interesting. Like just the relationship of anything coming in my field is mm-hmm. so different. So yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, being an energy worker, that makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's also why, even though I'm like polyamorous, I'm extremely um, limited in my like sexual interactions with other people mm-hmm. too. I mean, even just my regular interactions with people, right? Because I do a lot of, you know, energy work and ceremony and I'm always holding space for others. So yeah, it makes me very selective mm-hmm. and very mindful mm-hmm. about like who comes into my life, who comes into my body. Um, but yeah, I... I can imagine that for a lot of people, even just hearing about non-monogamy and like opening their mind to polyamory, it's like that, like opening a window, right? And then if it's meant for you, it's almost like you'll see opportunities. And if it's not, you won't. Yeah. Um, Which is like what I've been sharing a lot with people recently. Um, But the surrogacy thing is kind of wild. I even didn't realize that I – there was a, a good chunk of my life where I thought I didn't want children um, very recently too. And I sort of came back around and woke up to the fact that, you know, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity um, in a selfish way almost for like my own growth mm-hmm. as a woman. Um, and then once I – it's funny. We were just talking about like the windows. Once I had that thought, that was almost like the window opening to like letting myself have baby fever or like seeing it. And then I was like, wait, what? I thought I wasn't going to do this. Now it's like all I can think about. Um, it's always like a light switches. Yeah. It's just like, there's nothing kind of in between. People talk about that and I never understood Mm. it. And you know, you always hear like, oh, there's never a good time to have a baby. Like just, you know, just do it. Like we've had a lot of friends, parent friends who have told us that I am so glad I waited because there's such a different energy about me realizing I want this for myself than me probably I would have probably had kids for my husband because he's my life partner I love him so much we've I know I want to have a family with him no matter how that looked it might have looked like being great aunt and uncles but I knew he was my like long-term person um but making the decision on my own and knowing I'll never resent him and I'll never think I made the wrong choice I'm so glad I waited I actually hate that advice and people gave it to me too because 
there are definitely definitely better or worse times in oh, your yeah. own life progression to have babies. Like yeah. I, I never really, I mean, I get what they're saying because like nothing's ever perfect, mm-hmm. nothing's ever calm. I get that, but like, um, I don't, I don't like that. Saying. I'm so glad that you don't no. either, and like no. I'm getting a little like validation on that because it means like I'm like of course I want to have a child now that I've like built my business and checked off a lot of things that I wanted to do. And people say like, you can do them anyway, but you have to take a break. Yeah. If uh, I know I have to, for me, and you change the That's kind what of mom we don't I know. Be. Like you don't know who you're going to be on the other side. So mm-hmm. it's good that you did the things you wanted to do now Yeah. before, because e- literally everything's going to change. Right. And generally it's for the better and it's new and it's like expanded, but it's different, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm so, I'm so, so happy. I like woke up one day, I think it was like 35 or maybe I was 36 already. And I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> like, That's okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we. Very clear. Yeah. We've like started that process. We gave ourselves a year once we like knew we wanted to do it. He was finishing up some things. I was finishing up some things. Um, and we, January 1st of this year, started interviewing agencies. So, okay. Backstory. For people listening, I was diagnosed with cancer at 28 and I had to have a radical hysterectomy like 11 days after my diagnosis. I I had my uterus and my cervix removed um, and a lot of pelvic tissue. Um, But they left my ovaries and they've like what they they um, the prognosis and the surgeons were like, we'd like to take these out also. But if you want to have kids, you can freeze your eggs. Um, But the cervix had to come out immediately Mm -hmm. because the the tumor and the cancer was pretty aggressive. So like everything shifted, but I was also like, okay, with not having kids. Um, but then like Posh and I got married and I turned 30 and we were like, let's just freeze our embryos, you know? And I knew he really wanted children, but we, we also had talked about adoption and, you know, lots of different ways to have a baby. So we froze embryos. I think I was 31 and 32, which was a whole process in itself. It's like, kind of feel like I got a taste of what pregnancy must feel like because of a lot of hormones mm-hmm. all at once. Um, and we did two rounds of IVF with that and um, extractions, you know, and we ended up with five embryos. So we have three girls and two boys. Wow. And yeah, so we are now um, entertaining a few different agencies. I think we've like made our choice down to two. And so now we just have to choose one and they will match you with a surrogate. That's how it works. We've kind of reached out to our own community and put feelers out. You know, we want to have a baby. Does anybody know anybody that might be interested in surrogacy? Um, You know, the prereqs is you like have to have had one full term successful pregnancy and your child has to be like living with you. Um, Yeah. In order to be a surrogate, just because I guess it makes sense. I didn't realize it either, but you know, it, there are a lot of women who have fertility problems that like don't know yet because they don't have children. So you don't want to be like your five, you know, solo precious or only embryos, um, testing it out. So we're like really ready. And I found out just a couple weeks ago that it takes nine months potentially to match with a surrogate, which feels like forever. And I'm like, this is a whole pregnancy in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be shorter, could be longer. But now we're like kicking ourselves because a couple of people were like, just start the surrogacy process because it takes a really long time <laughs> and you're going to wish that you had started sooner, uh-huh. which I do now. 
Um, is it all over the U.S. or how, what does that look like? So yeah, you can have you can get a surrogate from anywhere in the U.S. Um, and there's not much difference other than you won't be there through the process. We really prefer somebody in L.A. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that we can find somebody local so that I can be yeah. a part of the pregnancy um, and a part of, you know, the birth. Well, we would even if they don't live here, we would travel there for the birth mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but it would be really cool if they live close and we can sort of hang out and become, you know, friends. Mm -hmm. Um, that's always been really important to me. Um, and Pasha too, but me more or less being like into understanding energy the way I do. Um, and this is like why I wanted to chat with you too, you know, being a doula and doing like birthing work for so long. Um, I, there's not really a big part of me at all that feels sad that I won't have that experience myself. I'm really at peace with it. And in fact, I think that maybe like everything happens for a reason, not maybe that's, that's Mm -hmm. a fact. And I feel almost like lucky, like maybe there was a reason I'm not supposed to do this part of the job myself. Mm -hmm. If anything, I was always terrified of the idea of being pregnant, even from like a child, um, like this weird fear growing up of it and like what that whole process is like. Yeah. So I'm like, did I manifest this? Mm. Um, or or just knew. Yeah, or just knew that it mm. wouldn't be part of my journey. Um, but I do really want – so I feel really called that the surrogate and my child have a bond that doesn't immediately get severed. Mm. That's really been important to me as I think about what I want the journey to look like and what I who I'd like to attract as our surrogate. I'd really want someone who, not that I think any of them are like, okay, great, here's your baby, we'll never speak again. Um, but that like those first couple weeks, you know, like after birth, like what can that look like? Can that also be part of the surrogacy process where there's um, – breastfeeding and like a more gradual sort of disentanglement Mm -hmm. because, you know, I just feel like that's the baby's home. That's their mother also, Mm -hmm. right? They get to have like two and that's all they know. And so to have that like taken away very quickly scares the crap out of me. And so I am really hoping we can create a situation where everybody, you know, feels good about it, but where they have like a gradual, slow process of disentanglement and then they'll remain in the baby's life as like an auntie who like gets to be around that just made me tear up yeah because I I just love that you're tapping into that because the energy field I mean you know it's like it takes it can take up to seven years to be fully disconnected from your child wow like that's why seven is such a huge developmental year so even the fact that you're looking at it as even something because Mm -hmm. I've never heard that when it comes to surrogacy and I'm yeah. sure, I mean, I've never gone down the rabbit hole of surrogacy, so I'm sure many people are sharing beautiful stories, but that just really touches me because it's honoring that connection, which is part of you, and it's also them, mm-hmm. and it's like everyone also together. Yeah. And it's so, the auric fields are just one when you're pregnant. I mean, it's just it's just a fact. Yeah. And our society does not honor that. Yeah. So that's it's really It's very beautiful. true. Our society definitely doesn't. And it's like so much about a woman is meant to create. And really until, yeah, like you're saying, they're 
there's such a bond even for so much longer because mm -hmm. it is a part of you. It's like, yeah, yeah your, your essence, your everything. Um, and so I'm really hoping for that. I mean, that's like, I'm always an idealist and my husband kind of, he supports me so much, but he also reminds me like, it might not look like that. Yeah. And, you know, um, but he's like, I'm on board. Like we'll, totally. we'll search for what you want. But to have um, that intention is so beautiful. Yeah. Like, start there. Yeah. Because like the health, the mental health too yeah. of, of the baby, and of everybody involved, health. right. Um, is so important to me, but yeah, to think about like how we can ease any trauma, it's yeah. obviously being like, um, an energy worker and I guess, you know, integrative sort of healer and coach, I'm like always thinking about trauma and I know there's no way to avoid it. Right. I don't have kids. We all yet, got something. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure like, you know, you mess yeah. them up no matter what. Um, but if I can minimize it, yeah. that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Have you read spirit babies? No, but someone gifted me that book. Mm. It's, my, it's one of my favorite books. Really? Yeah. I have it on my nightstand. Highly recommend. Okay. And it's not all applicable, but it just shows you what we're seeing in the 3D is just such a minuscule amount of these souls coming in. Mm. So just for your experience, it's like there's just this, there's so much available there of to work with, you know, to yeah. bring the soul in. Like whoever is coming in is coming into the situation eyes open, I, I would think. Right. So it's just like how do you – Mm -hmm. protect and hold that space for this little being mm, i love that yeah okay i'm gonna read it love that book mm -hmm. i was like i need to go study with this man but he died <laughs> oh really he's amazing yeah oh. he's incredible but anyway there are a lot of incredible people one is in our soul fire emily the medium she's mm -hmm. incredible connecting to the, the spirit souls <gasps> Ooh. and there's another one i think i told you on the phone sufi mm -hmm. that lives nearby yeah, she's on my podcast too. she's amazing with connecting to the souls so it could be kind of an interesting addition to your birth. Yes, party. I would love that. The birth sitch. So was the like questionnaire insane? Like how do you go about the surrogacy, finding the right person? We we actually haven't even done that part yet, okay. but it's pretty extensive. And it's like, so the agency interviews us and then they interview all of their intended surrogates and they just match gotcha. you one to one. So it's not like um, you don't get a book, you know, like where you could flip right. through pages. That we see like, in the movies. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, okay, so we think that you two fit really well together. And of course, then there's an interview um, with like someone from the agency present and then they leave for a little bit. It's like on Zoom. Mm. This is how it goes, I guess. And at that point we get to decide and they get to decide like, okay, this feels like a really good fit or no, we'd like to interview more. And so that's the initial process. And then once you like link up and you get matched and you're like, okay, great. This is like our girl. And mm -hmm. she's like, I love this couple. I want to do this with them. Then there's all kinds of medical, mental um, evaluations, um, legal that gets like handled and drawn up, you know, all of those things come into it, um, come into play. And then once all of that's been, you know, handled, which takes like another three months apparently then there's wow. like um the implantation you know and then hopefully a baby <laughs> so fascinating. yeah it really is i mean i'm super grateful for like you know science and technology and like all of these things so that we can you know have a biological child because we want to um 
And also like, I've always been kind of of the mind of like, if it doesn't work this way, great, we'll adopt. Mm -hmm. And he feels the same way. That's um, beautiful. But yeah, we have we have five five chances. So, so how we'll do you see. choose which one? Or do you like how does that happen? So you can choose your embryo. Um, they recommend that you just put like the healthiest, mm-hmm. strongest, most viable one in, which I we actually don't know which one that is, and I'm really glad we don't. Or maybe yeah. they told us and like we don't remember. That's not something I think you look at after you do like a round of you know, IVF extraction, but, um, I don't want to know. Yeah. So I want it to be random. He wants to choose and to know the sex right away, but like, I've really got him on board with the idea of it being random Mm -hmm. and us not finding out until the birth. So that's always been like my favorite way. I want a little bit of magic. Everything else is really curated and is very specific and very planned in our, you know, with this pregnancy. So I'd like a little bit of surprise. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Birth, all of it is so fascinating. Yeah. It's never not illuminating. Each couple, each family, it's just... I just get so excited talking about it because I'm just like excited for you to get to know the new you, the new expanded you on the other side. Me too. Me too. Most of you probably know by now the products that I use and love, but for reference, you can always go to the show notes to find the discount links and codes for all of those. The Healy is a frequency device that I'm using that has literally changed my life within a month using it. If you want to schedule a call to discuss that, um, there's a link for that. And there's also a link to the website. And if you have any questions about that, please reach out. I'm happy to chat about it. DM me on Instagram at Mother the Mother. I have Organifi products discounted. I love personally the green juice and the red juice for myself and my kids. This is Needed is a great company here in Los Angeles for prenatal and postpartum supplements. It's a woman-owned and run company, and I really love their products. I love their collagen, and I love their prenatals, which you can take prenatally and postpartum. I have a code for that. Sea in the Moon is my all-time favorite body scrub. It smells so good you want to eat it, as does the body scrub. I use the oil on my full body, sometimes my face, my hair. I love to use it on my hair ends, the split ends. And I use it on my kids' skin too, and they love it. It's light and it absorbs so quickly and it smells like summer. It's so yummy. It's made here in Malibu by my good friend, Carson Meyer, also a birth doula. And then Bambooies is a newer product that I am loving. They have tons of products, actually. Um, This is great for you new mamas or expectant mamas that are planning your postpartum time. Or if you are already in your postpartum time, they've got great bras, um, great nipple balm, great teas to promote lactation that are super easy to use and hydrating. They have a ton of products. So there's a link for that as well. So please check out if you're wanting to add any of these to your lifestyle. And I'm also happy to chat about them. Sending you love, Jayma. I just love the idea too of like even having a doula. It's something that's always been like, if I can have things my way, we would have a home birth. We would have a doula. Um, and I like mentioned this to a couple of the agencies. <laughs> they're like, you know, you get the, like, they're not doctors. Right? right. But they're like, okay, well, we'll like, you know, we'll have to like see what your doctor thinks. And right. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to find the doctor that's right. going to be doctor cool with for me. me yeah. <laughs> it's going to be cool <laughs> with me doing this. Totally. Um, but I am really looking forward to meeting us as parents also. And like mm-hmm. the evolution of, yeah, who will become in this next 
stage of our lives. Yeah. Any advice for sharing that for, (laughs) I mean, you're so open and conscious that I think you guys are going to be just fine. And we all learn the lessons we have to learn. I mean, that's the thing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, I was having this conversation in my membership this morning. It's like everyone, like we have children to evolve and to change, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think as long as you're open to that, um, you're going to be, you're going to be fine, you know, because you're open to the what is. It's yeah. the greatest unknown. It's the greatest unknown. And it keeps happening over and over. It keeps mm-hmm. changing because each new stage, each new development. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it would be cool if you find someone here that you can really journey. Yeah. We'll just put that out. We'll put that out in the universe. That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> Um, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. I haven't had anyone speak about a surrogacy on here, so it's really nice to Mm, have that. I'm happy to be the first. Yeah. Open it up. Um, circling back before we close, because I could just keep on going on and on and maybe we'll do part two when Mm -hmm. baby's here. I would love that. Um, but because when I asked a couple of friends, like, send me your questions ASAP, I'm going to this interview. Um, one of the things was just coming out with it which you touched on a little bit, but one thing that I thought was so beautiful in your podcast was the three of your dads being together at a barbecue. Yeah. And I mean, how amazing is that? First it was, of all? it was incredible. Yeah. It was really surreal because I, I don't know why I had the idea that like my parents would be hurt mm. or my parents would be uncomfortable about it because my parents are dope. They're actually like some of the coolest people I know. They're the most like loving and accepting, you know, um, they don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's like, they also don't understand trigonometry, but they're like, cool, you know? (laughs) Um, and yeah, luckily Pasha's parents are the same. And so are Lauren's. We, I don't know if we are all just super lucky people or if as a society, we're all programmed to think that people are a bit more judgmental mm-hmm. than they are because yeah. that's all we see. We see extremes all day long. We see polarity in our media. Um, but it's been really great. Like our entire community has been so supportive and so accepting of us. And so I had a lot of champions almost when I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. They're like, great. I'm like I'm going to throw a big party. We'll have a big launch party. And it was really amazing to see how many people were like, yes, please do this. We want to hear about it. We want to hear from you. Um, and the only kind of like negativity that has come has been as the podcast has gotten popular on social media. Mm. That's like really the only space where I catch resistance or bullying or anything like that. Um, which is, you know, tough on Mm. its own sometimes. And I've like, it's also new, you know, open late is like six months old and I've already like had to chat with my therapist about it and my coach. I have a coach that I work with, um, which is new specifically on pleasure and like focusing Mm -hmm. on my pleasure, um, and like connecting to my body. So we do a lot of somatic work. Mm, I love somatic work. Yeah. And both of them were like, this is what you're meant to grow through at Mm. this period of your life. If it's triggering, if it's making you feel like you're 10 years old again, like in school and people are calling you names, um, then you're ready for that. And you're ready to like, you know, focus on that little girl and see what she needed in that at that time and give that to her now, which has been such a gift. So like, it's almost like I'm welcoming any sort of 
trigger or resistance. Um, and the cool thing is a lot of people are open. It's just their fears they're projecting onto me yeah. in this space. Um, but some are like open to being educated, which is wild because it doesn't seem that way when, when it first comes out. Um, so it's been a mix and, um, I've certainly had to like stop reading a lot of the comments at times when I have things that are a bit more viral. But all that being said, it's all been such a big learning and a blessing and I wouldn't change any of it. So yeah, and just like really grateful because my parents, like they were really the only ones who I was concerned about not yeah. being happy about this. So how'd you tell them? Um, well, I, so my mom kind of had already known that I had had some experiences with women. I used to love to like shock my mom, <laughs> like, <laughs> like which is like so terrible. Um, like just to say little things that I think would like make her like stressed out or something. Um, so she knew that, but she had no idea that it was like a big part of our lives and that like it was happening with mm -hmm. Pasha and that there was, you know, um, a full-time other person. And so I told my mom over the phone and I told my dad in person um, and, you know, my mom was like, okay, cool. Like what, <laughs> you know, had a lot of questions and my mom and I have talked about it extensively. She always asks me like, well, how does it work? I don't understand. And she, she really wants to understand my dad. We went to breakfast. I was visiting home and me and Pasha were together and we're like sitting across the table oh from each God, other. I'm getting nervous. Yeah. And I was like, um, okay, dad, you know, um, I think I said something to the effect of, you know, Pasha and I were like, we like to do things a little differently always because I am certainly the psychedelic sheep of my family. Like I live in LA, <laughs> everybody's from the East coast. And like, I go to the, all these, you know, spiritual mm. awakening things and ayahuasca and, you know, personal development courses and, Tony Robbins and Fiji, like my family Ooh, knows. That sounds amazing. Yeah. They just yeah. know I'm, I'm yeah. that, I'm that girl. So I said, you know, you know, we, we're a little different and we like, we always just do kind of like we, we walk to the beat of our own drum kind of thing. And he goes, mm -hmm. and he like looks up for a meeting <laughs> and he had, I'll never forget like eggs and hash browns and toast. And he just like looks up and I'm like, well, we kind of like sometimes date other people. And we also have a girlfriend and he went back to eating <laughs> and then he like waited like 30 seconds and he like put his fork down and he goes, yeah, you know, you guys are always what, doing whatever makes you happy. If it makes you happy, it makes me happy. And then he went back to eating. Aww, <laughs> it was like really sweet. Aww. But yeah, like he thought about it. He digested it. And it was like such a quick conversation. Amazing. Yeah. And if anything, like my parents have all had bouts of like infidelity or this or that in their marriages. Um, and, you know, my dad, I remember, you know, just thinking like my dad's such a lover, right, of people. My mom is too. And almost looking at my parents of like, would they have stayed together mm. if they could have explored their lives in this way. Not that I've ever really wished for that. My parents divorced. So I was super young. I was like two years old. So I don't really know them together, but they've both remarried and had, you know, two other children with, within their other marriages. So I have like a very big family and they're 
friends still. My parents are great mm. friends. My mom and my stepmom are great That's friends. I've been so lucky in that way. And so, yeah. And, and it's interesting. My, all of my siblings, well, not all of them, but I think two, two out of the four have either experimented with same sex somewhere on the spectrum, even, you know, being open to any identification. Um, and it's cool to see, like, they were doing that even before I was like out about it. Mm. My sister dated a girl all the way through high school. Wow. Yeah. And here I am like not wanting to tell anybody. And she's wow. like t- 10 years younger than me. So it is interesting to see how we sort of individualize shame and mm-hmm. we project what we think people are going to respond with. And my parents are both like, cool. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. That's such an important note that I just took with me is – It's like, what could things look like, you know, like how the way that we see this isolated family structure, you know, hetero mom, Mm -hmm. dad, two kids, house alone, you know, it's such a, a preconceived thing. And honestly, it doesn't work Mm -mm. for most of us long-term or we're stuffing or we're hiding parts of ourselves I mean, I, I see that so much in the postpartum. It's like, we're supposed to have the village. We're supposed to have the community. Yeah. Even hiring me or another doula, it's like the bare minimum. You know, mm. we need that support. We need to not ever even think about feeding ourselves, cooking for the rest of the family, taking care of the other kids when you're healing postpartum, right. you know? So it's just, it is so interesting to think about like, um, how could we kind of protect the integrity of a family unit? by being open to it, not looking like what we know it to look like. Mm-hmm. That's the dream. We always talk about like raising our kids in community. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are like very serious about like creating a compound That's type really of cool. life. Yeah. I mean, uh, every one of my friends, like we're always like, where's the compound? When yeah. Going? Yeah. I can't imagine doing doing this motherhood journey alone and isolated. And you're right. I mean, that's how most of us live. We live in these like nuclear families and we all have like yeah. single family homes and we don't know our neighbors, which don't is our wild. Neighbors, don't have our family nearby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless yeah. you stay usually in the town that you grew up in. Right. But for a lot of us that are seekers, we don't do that. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> we get out. So. Yeah. Which so. is, is good because then we all meet each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think if, if, kind of non-monogamy can be a cause for um, supporting like postpartum and like just bringing more love into your child's life and bringing more care into your own life as a mother too. I never really looked at it like that actually. I mean, because I've never really, with Lauren, it's not like I'm like wishing that she's going to be like a second mom at all. That's not really our dynamic. And I know that's, you know, not what she wants, but also like I have, aside from non-monogamy, all these beautiful people who are in my home all the time that, you know, are some of our closest friends. And so I just feel like there will be that sort of village feeling here. And I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm really happy that I did. Mm -hmm. And like, this is what it looks like eight years in because yeah, our, our house is kind of a co-working space. And so I'm hoping that in three years, it looks like a co-mothering space. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, I'm snapping fingers. It's yeah. like the future because we need each other and all of these things change from within us mm-hmm. and from the mothers. Yeah. That's just a fact. So yeah, the more I think that we can let go of labels. I mean, you know, two years ago, I certainly didn't think I'd be a homeschooling mom, you know, so I let go of what I thought school looked like. 
you know, yeah. and it keeps evolving. So it's like motherhood keeps evolving. So I love that you've already kind of organically set that up. Yeah. And more to be revealed. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything that you would like to end on? If there's anyone mm. maybe new to all of this or. Oh, I wanted to ask one thing is what advice do you have for someone that is in a long-term marriage that maybe has listened to a couple of things or even just listening to this and like something sparked, like where do you even begin? Yeah, that's <laughs> such a great question. And I think it's what's always on everyone's mind. Um, I think the best place to begin is just sharing openly your feelings with your partner. It so, sounds so simple, right? But it's not easy for no. people to communicate, right? Because what you're already doing is likely projecting how you think they're going to respond mm -hmm. um, onto the situation, which really limits them. And so it's really a disservice to like your partner. Um, but just to say like, this is interesting to me. And like, what do you think about it can open an entire conversation. Yeah. A lot of people think that they have to go in with like, I think I want to be open, you know, like, you know? Declaration like yeah, yeah, even if you are having those thoughts, um, to go in with curiosity and no judgment mm -hmm. and to sort of ask that from your partner as well. I think, um, it's never a bad idea to set parameters and agreements for communication which I've learned through non-monogamy. I didn't even really know how to communicate before, but I've, we've had to learn along the way. And now I'm like, oh, okay, this is, you know, how you, I've also learned this in therapy and like mm -hmm. being in therapy, not for our non-monogamy, but just like for our marriage. Mm -hmm. um, so shout out to Gia, but saying like, <laughs> okay, this is what I need right now. I, I'd like, um, I'd like your advice or I'd like your mentorship or I'd like a response or I just want you to listen so maybe in this conversation, it's like, I would like to share something with you that has been piquing my interest. It doesn't mean that I want to act on it, but I'd love to know your thoughts on this topic. And, you know, also with the preface of like, I'm committed to you, even right. though I'm bringing this sort of content or this idea to the table. Um, I'm curious because I'm interested in like what you think about mm -hmm. it and letting it flow from there into like, well, I maybe want to try, like, you actually don't have to go have sex with other people. Right. You'd be like, have you ever like watched porn together? Right. Or have you ever, um, uh, Alexa, that sex chick who's also soul fire oh, yeah. fam has this want, will, won't list. Oh. And it's kind of like a list, this like extensive list of like sort of sexual things that you can do with your partner and it, they fill it out and you fill it out. And it's like a want, will, and won't. And then you can kind of see like, okay, where are we overlapping oh, on these cool. cool things that we might both be interested in, but we've never tried in the realms of like kink or BDSM or sensual play or food, mm -hmm. like whatever it looks like. So I think starting in these places that reignite your own sexual passion with each other in conjunction with saying... I think that girl's attractive. <laughs> like, do yeah. you also think that girl's attractive? And then talking about it at home, you know, or vice versa, like what turns you on and, and finding that out and starting there to really like create a safe space for sharing desires before mm -hmm. you're even trying to jump the gun of like dating anybody else. Um, because for most of us, we don't even share our desires yeah. with our, especially like long-term partnerships. Like we're experiencing that, you know, we're, we've known each other for 10 years and now more than ever, like 
chemistry is not a given, yeah. right? And it's like, I think we expect it to be. We're taught that it should just be easy. Um, and sometimes it is when we're on vacation and we have no responsibilities and no worries. Like yeah. it's so easy to want to connect in a sexual way. But when we're not, it's like, okay, let's yeah. create environments and circumstances for us to be this way with each other. Mm, so I yeah, I, I always remind people that are like, if it's the inspiration and you've been together a long time, how do you dip your toe in? Start with your passion with each other and just talking about these things in conversation. Um, mm, yeah. That's really great because I almost think it's harder sometimes the longer you have been in a relationship. For sure. Because you're just so kind of you know what you know, you know, mm -hmm. you know each other's bodies, you know, the like it just kind of gets rote in so many ways. Yeah. And then you add kids onto it and like still co-sleeping or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just, and the projection, I think that's a really big piece of it too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do think we do a disservice to our partners by making assumptions because we have been together so long. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. Yeah. I mean, so many people are thinking that the other one is going to freak out when the other one could likely be entertaining the same thoughts. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I feel like that's such a good place to end. So um, people can find you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Open Late is the podcast. Yeah. It's um, it's Open Late the podcast on IG and Open Late podcast if you have any TikTokers. I'm, I'm not sure you do. I We're brand know. new to it. But, awesome. How's that going? Uh, it's been two weeks. I need it's to going start. well. It's one of those things that like for a year I've been like, I need to do it. And, and it favors educational content, which I'm finding that I'm going to really start doing more on TikTok. Yeah. Okay, well, that's like what I want to be doing, the yeah. education. So, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. It's like one more thing. So I have like major resistance to doing it. I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier than Instagram, believe it, it or not. It okay. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to get on that horse. All right. Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure yeah. talking and good luck on all of it ahead. Thank you for having me. Jema. Jema. Jema.